Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Now, let, let's put this particular text in context. Um, this story that Jesus is telling, he's telling because um, there was a particular guy, a scribe, approached him to try to challenge him. And, and in challenging him, Jesus tells this story. So for us to really understand the story, we got to highlight the challenge that's going on in the midst of the story. The brother comes to Jesus. The Bible declares one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, the man says, I, I know what the law say. Yeah, it said, love your neighbor, L love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Now watch this, 29. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is who my neighbor, man? Who is my, my neighbor? So Bear, bear with me. Uh, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I, I really got to drive home a point today. To better highlight what's really going on in this text, I want to dress this guy up. I want to dress him in either a, a white hood or I want to put him in, in all black gear. And I want to put this, this guy within this context of wearing a white hood or with his fist pumped in the air dressed in all black. Teach him. Man, what I got to do to be saved? What's written in the law? I know what's written in the law. You got to love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says you answer correctly. That's what you must do to inherit eternal life. And so the man looks at him with his black gear on, with his white hood on, and he asks the question, well, who is my neighbor then? Please tell me my neighbor is the sister next to me with her hand pumped in the air. Please, please tell me my neighbor is the brother with the hood next to me because if you can tell me who my neighbor is, then I can choose who not to love. Who is my, who is my neighbor? So I have to, I have to ask the, the question. Y'all bear with me. I'm going somewhere. I got to ask the question, is this guy a racist or a classist? If I'm going to rightfully put the text within context, I have to at least pose the question. For him to answer, the, answer Jesus back the way he did, I have to at least entertain the idea that he might be a racist or a classist. Let's, let's define these two terms. Racism, the belief that a particular ethnicity is superior or, in, or inferior to another. Classism, prejudice against or in favor of people belonging to a particular economic or social class. So, so he says, who is my neighbor? So Jesus goes into the story. And if we look at the story, we can kind of identify the heart of the brother because there's something definitely going on in his heart. So let's look at the story. The story is like this. Jesus, oh, you you want to know who your neighbor is? Okay. Let me tell you a story to reveal what's in your heart. A man, a man, a man was attacked by robbers, stripped, and he was left for dead. A priest showed up, one of the leaders in the local synagogue or one of the leaders in the church showed up and saw the man pass by on the other side. Then a Levite showed up, and this was crazy, came to the place 
saw him pass by on the other side. So this is great. The, 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 priest, the priest saw him, and he was like, wow. You know how you can see something but try not to see it. But the Levite, he was crazy. The Levite just didn't see it. The Levite was like, ooh-wee. That's messed up, dog. And kept on rolling. So I have to ask, is the man racist or is he classist? Because, under, uh, because understand, uh, the priest is of a particular order within society. The Levites as well, they are in a particular order. Are they prejudiced? Are they racist? Are they, are they, no, no, no. I don't, I don't really see racism, classism in the text. This is what I do see in this text. I see an unconscious in-group bias. That's what social scientists would call this circumstance. I see unconscious in-group bias. Now, let's, let's define this. In-group bias is defined as any group you identify with based on race, religion, gender, or profession. How you define yourself is how you draw, you will draw the boundaries of your in-group, so, 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 chat, come here, chat, 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 come here. This could be an in-group here. Black men. Black men, not black women and black men, no, just black, just brothers. He gonna be mad at me, but I'm gonna do it anyway. This is another in-group. <laughs> or, tall. <laughs> oh. Black, is that <laughs> that's, a, that's a high job. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Tall black men, short black men. Okay, here's another in-group. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Black women. Stand up, Sister Women, Sister Wendy. Here's another group. Women is an in-group. How any group you identify with based on race, religion, gender, or profession, how do you, how you define yourself as how you will draw the boundaries of your in-group. Now watch this. Thank you. In-group bias is the tendency to give preferential treatment to members of our in-group while withholding it from out-group. I'm dealing with it particularly in-group bias right now with, with one of the members in the church. And by the way, by the way, um, if anybody is having car troubles where you need parts, um, we have an account, a local account with one of the retailers where we get like 20 to 50% off all parts that we order. So if you, your car broke down and you need something, holler at your boy and I get you hooked up. Amen. Somebody ought to clap their hand. You know what? If you got a new car, you're like, well, that's good for the, you know, that's praise the Lord. That's great. <laughs> but, but if your car, you're like, right, right, Gene, thank you. Ah. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, help me out. So watch this, man. Watch this. In-group bias when you give a, a preferential treatment to people just because you identify them as a part of your in-group. Now, now, my guy, Miles McPherson, wrote a, a phenomenal book called The Third Option, and he highlights the attitudes of in-groups. And here is the attitude. 
I am more comfortable with those like me. I am more inclined to spend time with those like me. I am more patient with those like me. I give the benefit of the doubt quicker to those like me. I express more grace when mistakes are made by those like me. It is easier to communicate with those like me. I assume I will get along easier with those like me. I am more willing to go out of my way to help those like me. I possess more positive assumptions about those like me. That's the in-group bias attitude, whereas the attitude towards those who are in your out-group is the opposite. I am less comfortable with those not like me. I am less inclined to spend time with those not like me. I am less patient with those not like me. I don't give the benefit of the doubt to those not like me. If I see somebody like, not like me and they're doing the same thing as somebody else like me, the one that's not like me, I, I just automatically assume they're up to no good. I offer less grace when mistakes are made by those not like me. It is more difficult to communicate with those not like me. I don't assume I will get along with those not like me. I am less willing to go out of my way to help those not like me. I possess fewer positive assumptions about those not like me. So it's, it's not necessarily a racist deal, but there is people can unknowingly have an in-group. Let me just pose the question. Just how many of you guys have ever felt the effects of being in the out-group? Felt the effects. I, I, was, I was at a store, I was at a store, um, and, and I, I shared this a um, couple of months back. Yeah, and I shouldn't have shared it because I was still mad when I shared it. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was at a, at a particular store, and um, it was a line of people. It was one register, and the line had just been sitting there for a good five minutes. And it, when you're ready to go, five minutes is a long time. You know what I'm saying? It was a long time. So a, a lady comes up, and she opens another register. So when I see her open the register, I'm just coming up. So I just come up to the register and put my stuff down. And she said, no, no, sir, no, sir. And she points at a lady who's the same color skin as her, um, same gender as her. And she said, no, she, she, and she does this. And she takes her stuff in front of mine. Now I'm kind of tripping. I'm kind of tripping. I'm kind of tripping. So I say, um, I, I let them handle business or whatever. So I say, um, can you explain to me why you call that lady in front of me? And so she gave me this excuse why she did it, and I accepted the excuse. I didn't really embrace it, but I accepted it. But this is what I believe. I'm not 100%, but this is what I believe. If the roles were reversed and I was the one next in line and somebody came, I don't think that she would have fought for me to get up in front as hard as she fought for her. I'm not calling her racist, but I do believe that there is an biased that she has towards the people that look. So let me take a commercial break for a second. I was in my office the other day. My dad was sitting down. Old man was sitting down. Yeah. My dad got away. When he would come in my office, he just make himself comfortable. And we were supposed to handle transaction business, and he was supposed to go because I had some other things to do. And he just, he just, he just came, and he sat down <coughs> and just kicked his leg back and just did. <laughs> and he just looking around, looking around, looking around. And, and so, so he saw this on my wall, 
And anybody that's been in my office and you've seen my vision board, this is what you see. You see this number, 71,822. He said, hey, hey, son, what, what's that number right there? What's that number right there? I said, Pop, I'm glad you asked me. I said, according to the last census, that is the population of the people within Gulfport, Mississippi. And the reason I got that number on the board is because I'm assigned to this city and in some type of way, I'm supposed to influence or affect the lives of the people that live in this city. Some, some type of way. So every, every time I go in my office, I see that number. And it's a reminder to me that there's something that I'm supposed to be doing to impact the lives of the 71,822 people that live in my city that I have a church planted in. So, so this, this is, hear, hear me out. These are some things that we're doing, some things that we're doing. First of all, we have a physical location that we meet at. Well, we invite people to come. We're doing a much better job, thanks to my staff members on social media. And this is what I encourage you to do. Every Sunday, the message is on Facebook Live. I want you to like it and share it. If you didn't like the message, just like it anyway. We ain't going to know. And just share it. Yeah. Because there are people that may never come into this building, and watch this, 71,822 people, we don't have enough space for them in, in this particular building, and everybody's not coming anyway, but, but there are other means, there are another, other avenues whereby we can reach them. Are y'all with me? Thank God for our new podcast. You can go empower the city. You can just type it in, or you can just type in my name, Greg McGee, G-R-E-G-G-M-A-G-E-E. -E. If you just give me one G at the end, you, you're not going to find me. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> right. So G-R-E-G-G, -G, you can type us in. What we're doing in our schools, we're going out into the schools. Our food pantry is an, an avenue whereby we bless the citizens of this. Our, our tent revival. How many of you guys were blessed by the tent revival we did? Were y'all blessed? Were y'all blessed? We'll jot these dates down because this is the next one. <laughs> April's y'all like, man, we doing it again? <laughs> y'all Yeah, man, we doing it again. Amen. Dates are already set. We ready to rock and roll. April 17th through the 19th, 2019. It's going to be fire. I'm going to preach like that. Oh, fire. Just teach? Okay, I just teach. <laughs> this is my Bible. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it like that. All right. Family and friends, how was it, man? Was it on fire? It's a blessing. So th this is what I ask you guys to do, man. I ask you guys to go out because when we have special events, it's an opportunity to reach out to people who would normally just come to our service on a regular Sunday morning. But if we give them a good excuse to come, they will come. So I ask you guys to reach out into your neighborhoods, your community, people around you, and invite them. And, and let, me, let me show you what I was the most proud of, man. This, is, this moment was what really blessed me the most is this picture right here. The altar was absolutely flooded with people who said, I want Jesus. That blessed your pastor. And watch this. Watch this. I'm not naive. I think the message was on point. I think, it was, I think it was targeted. I think I did a good job communicating. But the message wasn't the only thing that made this moment. Because watch this. If I'm still on fire because the dude in the parking lot flipped me off trying to help me park my car, I probably didn't even hear the message. And if I didn't hear the message, I wouldn't have responded to this. If the praise team went on fire and really, and really cultivated, really set the ground in order for the word, the seed to be planted, if they didn't do the job that they did, then we wouldn't have had this response. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's a team effort. It's everybody. Everybody. So 
I need you guys to hear my heart for a moment. Jesus. I'm really excited about that. This is what, this is what I'm really not that excited about. When I looked at the audience, everybody in the audience looked like me. I, I said, there's a whole bunch of black people in here. <laughs> Sister Wendy, we did capture you, girl. I just needed you to just turn your face just like that. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of... This picture doesn't represent what God put in my heart to do. I'm glad people came, but I at least have to entertain the idea that we... And I'm just going to say collectively. I'm not going to isolate anybody, but collectively as a church, we, we might, not everybody, but majority of us, we might have an unconscious in-group bias whereby we have a tendency to give preferential invitations to people who look like us. Y'all pray for me. I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying not to cry. I felt the pollen is in the air. <laughs> pollen is in the air. So watch this. I, I hear a lot of complaints. I do, by virtue. I don't care how good we are. We, I'm always get a complaint. I'm always get a complaint. And 50% um, uh, of the complaints, pray for me. I shouldn't acknowledge this, but I'm going to say it anyway. 50% of the complaints I do overlook. Because there's some people, I love all of y'all. Y'all love all y'all, but. <laughs> that sounds bad. I love you, but. <laughs> there's some people, they're just going to find something wrong regardless. And I, I do know that. I do know that. So some things I overlook. But when I hear a complaint from some people, especially those who never complain, I'm like, maybe you need to think about this for a second. So, so this, this is what happened. I need y'all to hear my heart, man. Y'all need to hear my heart. We're at a um, Wednesday morning uh, prayer meeting right back here in the back, and um, I printed out a, it was like a, a mile radius around this location, a mile radius around this location, and I, I put it on the map, and a part of the prayer team, our responsibility for that particular prayer service is that we were gonna pray for the people on this map, because we wanna reach the people in this community. Is that right? So I said, we're gonna pray, and so I started asking the team what should we pray about these people? And, and I, somebody said that they may be delivered, that they might be set free, that, that they might find hope, that they may, that they receive the love of Jesus. And, and I, had, I had one person say that when they come, they'll feel accepted no matter what their background is. And so... Sometimes I can be a little ignorant. I, I admit that. So I was like, yeah, you sure right. Sure right. And this one sister says, no, pastor. Sometimes I feel like that. And I, and I asked her for, for, for her permission to do this. Um, 
I said, tell me about this. And, and for those who don't, this is Sister Yuka. She, she voiced this. And I asked her for, for her permission to share this. And she says, she, she went down the way sometimes she feels being a part of a predominantly African-American church. And in essence, she summed it up, and it sounded a little bit like this. I can tell people feel less comfortable because I'm not like them. I can tell that people are less inclined to spend time with me. I can tell people are less patient with me because I'm not like them. I can tell people don't always give me the benefit of doubt. They don't always offer grace. I can tell they find it more difficult to communicate with me, although I speak, yes, I speak Japanese, but I also speak, speak English. People don't always assume that they'll get along with me. They're less willing to go out of their way to help me. I can, I can tell. She said sometimes in this church, y'all, I feel like And when she said that, it broke my heart. I got a, I got a crazy love for, for the Bullards. I, I really do. One of the reasons I have a crazy love for them is because they for sure are a couple that not only sees the vision of what God has given me, but I see them behind the scene. I see them throughout the week when, when nobody else sees them making sacrifices to implement the vision that God has given me. So you mean to tell me a sister that works as hard as you do, you come to a church where you give your life to it, you, you sacrifice financially, you sacrifice your time, you sacrifice your gift, and after all you sacrifice in the place that you love, you still sometimes feel like I need, I, need you, I, need you, I need you to understand, I'm not calling anybody a racist. That ain't, if that's what you're hearing me say, that is not the truth. I am challenging the, the church that we may, we may have an unconscious in-group bias where we give preferential treatment to certain people <laughs> because they look like us and we withhold certain treatment. It's not that we hate them. It's not that, we, that, that we're doing anything on purpose, ill treatment. But there are certain things that we withhold from them because they don't look like us. And, and let, me, let me be just real transparent. I got I to gotta confess. I got to confess, mother, because I, I thought about this. And, and see, understand, if, if you feel in any level of conviction, believe me, mine has been 10 times worse. Because God showed me myself. God showed me myself. I was at school. I was at school this Wednesday. And, and, and students were coming in, students were coming in, and, and, and a, white, a white kid walked up, and he was just, you know, just minding his own business. And I spoke to him, I said, hey, how you doing, man? How you doing? And he was like, good. And then a black kid walked up, and I said, what's up, doc? Give me some. Bam. And when I thought about it, I don't know either of them. Why did I give him the fist bump but not? Is there a possibility that I might have an in? And I at least have to throw it off on y'all because if I'm the pastor of the church and I recognize a tendency within myself, it might be that some of us as well say, hey, how you doing? I'm not being mean. God bless you. How you doing? But when I see somebody who looks like me, what's up, my, what's up, my, what's up, my dog? At least 
And that's what Jesus is trying to identify in this man. He says there was a man, he was attacked, robbed, stripped, left for dead. And one of your people saw him and passed by on the other side. And then another one of your people, people within your in-group, even went over and sought to, to investigate. Because there was this thing amongst priests that if you touch someone that was dead, then you were considered unclean. So I, I, may be able, I may be able to entertain the idea that the priest walked by because he thought he was dead. And if I touch him, I, I'll call somebody to pick him up. Because if I touch him, I can't do my priestly duties. I, I may be able to excuse that. But the Levite went over and checked on him to see was he dead. Oh, he moving. Oh, it sucks. And he went on. Then Jesus really blows this man's mind. He says, but a Samaritan. And we're going to highlight this a little bit deeper next week because there's t racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. So this guy, if he was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, he had to be nine times out of ten, he was a Jew. So he's saying, scribe, one of your own that's in your racial cultural group but not in your priestly in-group. One of your own, two of your own saw him, and because they couldn't identify him as being a part of my high priestly in-group, passed by him. But somebody that's not only, that not only not a priest, they're not even of the Jewish nation. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put this man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care, took care of him. This is what I'm saying. This is our responsibility. We got 71,822 people to some type of way impact their lives in this city. Whether they come into this building, whether we feed them in our food pantry, whether we give food away to them for free, whether they see us on social media, whether they, whether they download or subscribe to the iPodcast, we got, a, we got, we got a, a burden to reach them. And here is the issue. Everybody who we're going to reach is not going to look like us, and we can't afford for them to feel preferential treatment. Because you ain't got to say nothing. People can feel it. Yeah. They can smell it in the air. Yeah. Come on, the Bible declares that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. There is a treasure on the inside of you that God has placed there. And the purpose that he placed it there is not just for your benefit. It's for you to be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. Now let me just throw this out there. If, if you, you can be saved and have a self, selfish mentality, Lord, bless us for and no more. You can be like that. You can pray like that and you can live like that as long as we, as long as we okay, we good. But if you're ever going to be used of God... And when I say used of God, I'm not just talking about preaching or just teaching. I'm talking about every day because watch this. What I do on Sundays, this is just once a week. I've only preached one time this week, but guess what? I've ministered every day this week. It wasn't on a platform like this. 
I saw hurt, I saw need, so I made impartation into the lives of people, and that's what God is calling all of us to do. If you're going to accept the call of God to be a blessing to the lives of people, you've got to understand that God is going to challenge you to reach people that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't act like you. So I'm done. So this is what we got to do. This is, y'all pray for me because I, I got about at least three, maybe four more weeks of word that I got to get out to this church because, and listen, listen to me, man. We're going to bless so many. Oh, Jesus. Watch this, watch this. I don't know when I'm going to leave this earth, but you know how I'm going to die? I'm going to die with a smile on my face. They're going to think I'm crazy because I'm going to be like, I'm going to be laying in the casket. The undertaker ain't going to be able to take the smile off my face. I'm going to be like, why he smiling? Because the boy yielded his life and allowed God to touch as many people as he could through him. And I want you to have the same testimony that, I mean, you ain't got to die. Like, you can just have, you can be, you can give a cool grin, like. <laughs> just don't do that in the casket. Because <laughs> we're going to run. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to run, right. <laughs> we got a whole bunch of people in this city that we're going to reach. And everybody we're going to reach, they're not going to look like us. And, and I and I receive. Watch this. Watch this. I don't. I'm, I'm not picking on. But, but, and they can handle it. The Rouses, They can handle it. Watch this. <laughs> Jesus is. This is good. You know I appreciate y'all so much. Because this is uncommon. It's not norm. It's not the norm for a white couple to serve under. A black pastor. That ain't the norm. I just ran into one of your old buddies today, and he was shocked. He was, he, I could see it on his face. He said, I, I thought Jeff was going to come with me. <laughs> I said, but he with me. What is it? Because this is not the norm, man. But you know what? When it comes to the word of God, bump the norm. We're going to break the norm. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. This, this will not just be the average church where black people come because there's a black pastor. No, this will be, this will be the church where hurting people come because there is a healing word coming forth. Can you say amen? Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.